On Podcast 1942, a massive supercharger milestone, the Cybertruck gets towed again, and the Chevrolet Equinox pushed back. Plus, stay tuned to find out the crazy reasons why the UK has a whopping billion pounds to spend on EV charging unspent for years. But first, the Chevy Equinox EV launch is pushed back slightly. GM remains tight-lipped about the exact production date for the Chevy Equinox EV. Insights from a report over the summer pegged the production to kickstart in the last quarter of this year. But GM CEO Mary Berra hinted that the postponement might stretch just for a few months, which is Interesting. These little bits of information, these nuggets falling out from the uh, the earnings call earlier this week. Notably, this isn't an isolated change in the GM timeline. I've mentioned already on the podcast this week to you the Silverado and the Sierra slated rollout from the assembly plant in Michigan has been deferred. That's not deferring the launch of those vehicles. That's additional production being deferred. Initial target of Q1 25. Now looking at late 25 for that additional production on the EV pickups. Now, remember last year, GM's announcement all about the Equinox's price point, the company aiming for $30,000? Surely that can't still be met with the current shifts and changes in the market. That price is anyone's guess, but if they bring it in at 30, well, I'll be absolutely amazed. And an interesting subplot to this whole story, the rescheduling by GM on the Equinox could have a ripple effect. I'm keen to see if Honda's strategy of launching two Ultium-based models, one under the Honda banner and the other under the Acura banner, has to also be recalibrated, given that these are anticipated to be made by GM in tandem with their offerings. I would imagine they're going to face delays as well. But that's not confirmed. That's me speculating. So we'll wait and see. Now, huge milestone for Tesla. Crossing an important, impressive threshold. They now boast over 2,000 supercharger stations in the United States. This achievement was shared by the Supercharger Location Tracker, the website supercharge.com info. Brilliant. Use it all the time. Great website. Uh, Their report highlighted that Tesla's recent addition of a charging station in Mojave was the one that tipped them over the 2000 barrier. 20 stalls at that location. Pivotal in the area, but also achieving that noteworthy figure. But that's not all the news buzzing around the Supercharger network. Last month, they celebrated another significant achievement, their 50,000th stall and painting that one ultra red to celebrate. Now, staying with Tesla, staying with supercharging, what do you do when there's more and more queues, more and more people buying electric vehicles, more people want to get to a supercharger, but this isn't the early adopter phase when everyone's a bit of a super nerd and interested in the tech and things like that. Like You and I know that you don't really DC fast charge over 80%. If there's no one queuing a supercharger or a charger and I'm the only one there and I need a bit of extra juice, I'll stay plugged in. It doesn't hurt your battery that bad to juice up all the way. But if there was somebody queuing, I'd absolutely leave. Not just at 80%, but whatever EV I was driving the minute that that charge curve dropped down to make it less efficient to be waiting there. But, well, a lot of people aren't like you and I. New people coming into driving EVs or even people that have been for a while that just don't really care about other people was sitting at DC fast chargers up to 100%, just trickling the last few electrons in. So Tesla think they have a solution. The renowned Tesla hacker 
white hat hacker, Green the Only on X Twitter, has delved into the latest software update. And Tesla are considering a congestion fee according to the code. This potential fee seems to target only busy supercharging stations where Tesla, until, well, they, they started out capping the ability to charge up to 80%, but. What if you need more? Then they made it uh, simply that you could then change the slider and go over 80%. But what if they now charge you for going beyond 80%, an additional fee? The specifics about the amount of the proposed congestion fee are under wraps. We don't know. No hints from Tesla, but it wouldn't be their first... uh, Attempt to supercharge uh, fees. They've already established the idle fees. That's a very good thing when you're fully charged and plugged into a supercharger. So easy to administer. And also, hopefully, it would help people if they don't understand why they shouldn't charge over 80% or you know a similar amount, uh, rather than them knowing the real reason and thinking, well, I'm just going to stay here because I want to. Hopefully people will understand the reasons why we have to be considerate to our fellow EV drivers when there's not enough infrastructure for DC fast charging. Now, staying with Tesla and the Cybertruck once again pictured, unfortunately, on a tow truck. And this is getting very close now to November 30th and the handover of those vehicles. One of the best things about Tesla is the supercharging network. And at the minute, the super Cybertruck is having issues. For the third time in a few months, the Cybertruck was broken down at a supercharger, left high and dry. We've seen these pictures now of it being towed once again on the Cybertruck Owners Club forum. Uh, They had a closer look, took some pictures, and spoke to one of the Tesla staff members who were there, talking about uh, what is uh, can be expected of the Cybertruck. And this person said that uh, range, we wouldn't have any less range than the Model X, for instance. So, again, no one's authorised to speak apart from, well, normally Elon Musk, but sometimes others at those big events. So clearly they're not meant to be saying anything about it. But, that, I mean, that is probably a minimum, right? 300 and something miles on a massive battery. Okay, let's move on. And a big uptick in fully electric car sales in Europe has been happening from 1% five years ago. It's now 15% in the European market so far this year, 15% of all new car sales. But that doesn't tell the full story. Not all European nations are the same. You see the disparity between countries' EV adoption rates is wide. Italy and Spain are still playing catch-up and have done for years, Uh, both countries reflecting 5% EV, pure EV market share. Northern European nations are leading the charge. We know about Norway, obviously, but those Nordic nations with their EV sales easily over 30%. We've seen the Netherlands heading towards 50% as well. Dive into the numbers and the lion's share of new registrations in Europe come in its top five markets, which collectively... 70% of all registrations. So Germany is setting the pace with an 18% pure EV share for the first three quarters of this year. UK, France, not far behind. And then, like I say, Italy and Spain have work to do there. Transitioning to electric isn't always perfect. And a significant number of European drivers initially opting for plug-in hybrids. Now, in that category, Belgium is actually the top spot with a 20% plug-in market share. However, however, plug-in hybrids have seen their overall share in decline now. Case in point, Germany, which is Europe's biggest car market, plug-in hybrid market share plunging drastically from 14% to 6%. 
this year because of the cessation of the financial and fiscal incentives. So really falling off a cliff there. Moving on next, let's look at EV sales in a global perspective. Now, back in 2020, for instance, let's think pre-coronavirus and global pandemic, EVs were one in every 25 car sales internationally. Fast forward now, and cars with plug sockets on the side is one in every five cars sold worldwide. This is a new report from the International Energy Agency, which I found. And I could dig out these insights, which they foresee the number of global EVs in 2030 tenfold the current amount. This year, this decade, this 2020 to 2030 that you and I are living through is going, this is the decade. This is the once in a generation shift in how humanity moves around this planet and everything is moving to electric power. These really are such key days. And India, for instance, on track to enhance their EV industry, their solar industry as well. They want to get 18% of their electricity from the sun by 2030, only 6% at the minute. And for every time you charge your vehicle on more renewables, it just gets greener. In the US, the forecast is sunny, pardon the pun, renewables and solar catering to 22% of the US's power needs will be 45% by 2030. You know, people complain about EVs, but every time they fill up their gasoline vehicle, it doesn't get any cheaper. With every day that goes by, as our grids clean up, the vehicles we drive and ride clean up as well. Now, the Southeast Asian markets are gearing up for a two-wheeled revolution. By 2030, uh, the projection is that half, well, 45%, but almost half of all two-wheelers sold in those Southeast nations will be on battery power. And Europe isn't being left behind. The European Union data that I can find says by 2030, they want a Europe-wide 65% of uh, new cars having a plug socket on the side of them. China still leads the way, and they still have these huge, bold ambitions to be 100 million EVs by 2030. All right, moving on. We're going to talk a little bit about the UK's charging fund going unspent. This is criminal in a second. Stick around. Back in a moment. Now, let's talk about some of the risks and possibly rewards as well that's happening at the minute with the change in the dynamics with the union strikes that are going on and the current contract negotiations in Detroit are sending shockwaves through not just the auto industry in America, but 6,000 miles away to South Korea. LG, SK and Samsung teaming up with these big car giants like Ford and GM and Stellantis. The result is a whopping $28 billion such a huge number. 28 billion earmarked investments in the United States for battery plants, these joint ventures. But this is not about the money. This is about the jobs on the line. The three automakers are going to have to bring on board 20,000 individuals for these pretty much all of the plants that I've just talked about. But with a twist, the workers' union wants to bring all of those new people in under its wing. Tensions very high at the minute because the word on the street is that the union's expected to push very hard for all these new battery joint venture places to have union representation but also significant salary hikes over and above what the business plans have been laid out for the south korean companies already are they getting cold feet well not at the moment but it's heading that way there's a buzz that some of these businesses even though they've recently 
talked about big US investments. No checks have actually been written yet. And some of these companies are mulling over the possibility of backtracking somewhere on these commitments while upholding others. With Tesla leading the way with these price cuts, coupled with GM and Ford slowing down on certain EV initiatives recently, it might be prudent for the South Korean battery makers to just, again, tap the brakes and reevaluate exactly where they are. I personally would like to see everything just barreling ahead at a million miles an hour, but I want it to be done sustainably with good jobs that are profitable for the businesses that own them, but also for the people that work in them as well. And we're a long way from having that resolved at the minute with these new battery plants. And finally, this drives me mad, this story. A huge £1 billion has been allocated to bolster the EV charging infrastructure here in the UK. And it's not been touched. The fund was announced three years ago by Rishi Sunak when he was underneath Boris Johnson. And that money is gathering dust on the shelf. Introduced in March 2020, just before the onset of the global pandemic, it was called the Rapid Charging Fund and had ambitious plans to enhance the capacity at motorway service stations to push through upgrades to the grid where it was needed uh, to enable multiple EV chargers to recharge the cars that are on our motorway networks. The fund hasn't even started accepting applications yet. An initial pilot program was meant to be on the cards for 2022, but has had repeated postponements. Now, the word is uh, that it could possibly see the light of day this this year. Transport Minister Jesse Norman shedding light on the delay in the House of Commons, saying the government is still looking at the pilot with no concrete dates on the rest of that money being spent. Of 119 motorway service stations, less than 25% have met the stipulated charger counts. And it's great, you know, when you roll up to a motorway service station, which is obviously very conveniently on the highway, not five minutes off, uh, and you see a bank of chargers, fills you with confidence when you pull off at those ones where there's two. Now, they've all been replaced. There's none of those 50 kilowatt units left that I see anyway, but one or two stations, there's full, there's a queue. It's not good enough yet, is it? The fund's objective wasn't about just the number of EV charging stations, but about supporting their establishment in areas where the commercial return might not always be viable. This is one to watch. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.